Welcome back to another Sound Truth interview. I'm your host, Adam Miller, and today I'm privileged to be joined by Denise Hughes, who's written a book on a subject that I think is actually very important, especially in our culture today. With so much busyness and so much noise, I think it's very hard for us to find sanctuary. It's hard to find rest. It's hard to find that Sabbath that we are so longing for in our soul. The book is simply called Sanctuary. It is a 31-day devotional. The subtitle here is Cultivating a Quiet Heart in a Noisy and Demanding World. So, so appropriate. A very, very important subject to be covering today. So, Denise, thank you so much for being a part of the many voices for that one message. Thank you so much for having me. Why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and your background. What is it that prompted you to look for sanctuary? What were you missing in your life that caused you to have this this angst in your heart for sanctuary? That's a good question. The title of the book really came from my prayer was, Lord, I need sanctuary just from all the noise and distraction that I was experiencing in my own life. My background is I'm an English teacher. And I was obviously teaching in a classroom, but also working from home, doing a lot of editing on different projects. And I found myself just spending a lot of time in front of a computer screen doing work. And I just found that one very isolating, very sedentary. But even though I could be home alone in front of my computer screen, it was still noisy because there was so much coming at me through my screen. And so it was really my prayer, Lord, help me find sanctuary, even in this modern day world where, you know, this is just life working remotely and all of that. How do we navigate that new landscape and how do we do it with a quiet heart? Yeah. Sanctuary is something that we think about. It's always a time and a place, you know, we kind of think of church maybe as a, a place where we have sanctuary, but you're talking about it in much broader terms. So kind of give us an idea of what you mean when you're talking about sanctuary for, for listeners who, who might have just one idea about that. Yes. Well, I started studying all the sanctuaries in the Bible. And obviously the first sanctuary was the Garden of Eden. But then later, the first sanctuary was a temporary tent-like structure, the tabernacle, which was then later uh, built into a permanent temple. But then later, after Christ um, was crucified and risen again, uh, now the sanctuary isn't found in a locale. It's not in a physical place. It's found in the person of Christ and God can be with us everywhere we go. And so God even told those in Babylon, even uh, in the Old Testament, after they were sent out as exiles from Jerusalem, that I will be with you. I will be like a sanctuary to you wherever you go, even in a place like Babylon. And I felt like, wow, if ever we are living in a culture like Babylon, it is today. And so we can find sanctuary in Christ, the person. It's not so much in a place. It's in a person. I think we tend to be drawn to a place. We tend to think that the church is our place of sanctuary, and we got to get to church in order to find that sanctuary. Why is it so important to understand the distinction that Christ is our sanctuary and we can have that wherever we go? Sure. Even on Sunday mornings, we tend to call where we gather a sanctuary, and that's okay. That's just part of our everyday vernacular. But even the church isn't the place, it's the people. And that we are the body of Christ, but our sanctuary is in Christ the person, and He dwells inside us. So really, we are the new temple of Christ. So as His Spirit indwells us, 
that's where we find sanctuary is in him through his word. And so it's as we commune with Christ that we are finding that peace that only Christ can give. Hmm. What are some of the the challenges to finding that sanctuary? What are some of the obstacles that we have to overcome, especially in our day and age? I mean, the subtitle here is Cultivating a Quiet Heart in a Noisy and Demanding World. Uh, Is sanctuary uh, hard to get to because there are so many obstacles in the way? I think so, especially in this world where we are always on. And even our work life can so easily meld and infiltrate into our home lives just with all the technology that we have, we can be checking emails at home at night and when that's typically family time. So I just think all these distractions that are coming at us and the lack of distinction between family home time and and work life, all of these distractions are coming at us. And I think it's more pronounced now just because there's been that blurring of that line between work and home because of all of the digital technology that we have. And obviously, Technology is great. It allows us to do this. You know, you're in Massachusetts. I'm in North Carolina. This is great what we can do with technology, but we need to have parameters and ways to navigate this new online culture so we're not sucked into this vortex of constant noise where we are constantly on. God never expected us to be constantly on. He's the one who was the creator and the one who first modeled for us the idea of Sabbath. And that's really one of the first steps toward finding sanctuary is having those places of quiet rest. Mm. You know, there's so many noises in the world in which we're living, and and quite frankly, I don't think we realize just how much noise there is because it's all white noise. The things that we've become so adept at kind of integrating into our everyday life, just having your phone, your smartphone at your bedside table, you know, that's you. That's the first thing you grab in the morning, and the first thing you check is your social media posts and and your likes and your dislikes. Uh, that sets the parameter of your day. We've really integrated these distractions into our world in a way that we don't even realize how much of a distraction they actually are. It's really true. And I like to think of it, and I even talk about it in the book, about having those phone-free zones and those internet-free zones in our life. What are those? Um, For me, in our home, bedrooms are internet-free zones. Like the phone can charge on the kitchen counter, but just to have those spaces where, and we model that for, for those of us who have children, to model that for our kids, that it's okay to have spaces in our lives where the internet doesn't reach us. We can we can keep it confined to certain places, even inside our own homes. It is possible. Yeah. I, I think one of the ways is just to test yourself and say, can you actually set this phone away or can you turn off the news or can you get away from your computer for an extended period of time and do you get the jitters from it? You know, it's, uh, I love to go camping up here in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I like to camp literally where there is no cell phone service at all because that seems to be the only place that I can go and get away from all of the noise. But I notice it. It's noticeable when when it's that far removed from the things that are part of our everyday lives. It's really true. And and one of the things I talk about is being very intentional to get outside in God's creation, to go outside, to be in nature. It doesn't always have to be a big 
trip to a national park. It could be to a local park. It could even be someplace quiet in a, our backyard, someplace that gets us outside, something that someplace that's beautiful, that really um, draws us to uh, the beauty that God has created for us to enjoy through the general revelation of nature. Um, so I love getting outside and getting away from all the noise of just modern day life. I agree with you completely. And camping is just one of the best ways to do that. But even a walk in the park uh, as many times a week as possible is such, it really does help the soul exhale. Yeah. My wife is Brazilian. So whenever we go south of the hemisphere, it's a completely different culture down there. It's not as connected. It's not as 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 addicted to digital mentalities as we are up here. Uh, there's also a slower pace to things there. And I've, I've learned from that experience that even when I'm going camping, I could either take a lighter and lighter fluid, or I can actually work to create a fire. And the process of slowing things down just is something really refreshing and allows me to to really think about what I'm doing and not rush. We don't have to have fast food everything in our culture up here. It certainly isn't healthy. Right. I love your idea or your example of building a fire with your hands. I think it's so important to make sure we're being intentional to work with our hands, especially those of us who work in front of a screen. It's part of our jobs. Even then more so, it's important that we can step away from those screen media mediated atmospheres and to do something tangible with our hands. And it doesn't always have to be a craft or a hobby. Some people will say, well, I'm just not crafty and that's okay. But there can be something that we do with our hands that's just honestly, it kind of settles our souls. It's very relaxing, especially after we've been spending a day doing a lot of mental work, to do something physical, even like just doing dishes or folding laundry, even that can be somewhat relaxing physically when you've been mentally investing in mental work all day. So I'm a big advocate. And Paul even says in First Thessalonians, when he tells us to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, he then goes on to say, and work with your hands. And he was a tent maker uh, by trade. Obviously, he was a preacher uh, by vocation, but he was financially supporting himself by making tents with his hands. And so he advocates work with your hands. And so there's really something to be said for really tangibly doing something productive. Mm. This idea of sanctuary carries with it this idea of rest, and this is what you're kind of aiming at with this book. Um, we live in a restless society, and you can see that across the board, anxiety, fears, stress, depression, all of these things that are mounting within our culture, even within the church, rest is something that seems at least as, 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 as spiritual discipline, it seems the most attractive of all of the disciplines, but yes, also the hardest one to actually integrate into our lives. Yeah, that really stems, I think, from just this innate human desire, our, our simple state to be self-sufficient, self-sustaining. We want to work and think of, of producing for ourselves, uh, providing for ourselves, and really rest stems from the idea that I'm not in control of everything. God is my provider. God is my sustainer. And when I choose to rest from work, 
I, that is literally a way of saying, and God, I'm trusting you to be the provider. I know you are going to provide. It's not all up to me. And so I can rest because I know you're in charge and I'm not. Mm. I feel like this is something I've been mulling over for a number of years now, that the rest that we actually are are trying to integrate into our life is not very restful. Uh, you mentioned in the, in the book that you actually enjoy football, and uh, to that we can agree. Uh, but watching a football game is not always the most restful activity. You're you're, you're stressed out. There's this. Uh, there's a lot of noise, and I think the things that we often turn to they actually add noise. They're they're almost like we need to have this fix of something else there to help us rest, as opposed to actually having a spiritual rest, which requires a walk away from things, putting things aside. Uh, we need things around us. We need to be kind of insulated in order to give ourselves rest. That's not a very healthy rest, is it? Right. And there are different kinds of rests. And I love a good football game. It's <laughs> fun. It's entertaining. It's a great way to kind of bring the whole family around the TV and enjoy food and a fun game. I, I love that. But you're right. There is a different kind of soul rest that we are body and soul. And so we can rest physically when we're sleeping, but we can also rest spiritually when we're really taking that time for silence and solitude and and really stepping back from all the noise and furor of the world. It really is a different kind of rest, and, and we need both kinds. And you did mention right in that point that there's something about coming together. There's a sense of community gathering around a football team, you know, or, or watching a game together. That there is rest that we actually need to have that's communal rest as well, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we are communal, relational people. And, and I love being alone with my books and spending that time journaling and, and reading the word. I love that. That fills me up. But even someone who I would consider myself about as introverted as you'll find out there. But even I have come to realize that I can't live my life in front of a screen. I can't live my life alone with my books and my journals and my pens. I need to be around people. And and it might not look like other people who want to be around dozens, but I need those really close, deep connections. My husband, my children, and my close girlfriends. You know, I'm probably not ever going to have dozens and dozens, but I'm going to have those few girlfriends who I can really connect connect with and gather with on a regular basis. We need that kind of community. We need to be known. And that's where that's kind of a different kind of rest when we know deep down that there are people in our lives who know us. They truly know everything about us, still love us, still accept us. That's a different kind of rest. And of course, it starts first with God. God knows us better than anyone, and he loves us and accepts us. And to then be able to share that with those around us, it's so important. Now, this is actually a 31-day devotional. And there's a lot of instruction here, because I think we need to be instructed when it comes to the idea of sanctuary and rest and Sabbath. We've lost a lot of that teaching, but you took a different approach with this by having it as a devotional. You're having a daily process of thinking about this. What value is there in sitting with it for 31 days? I think it's just in very practical terms. We aren't sitting down reading long texts. I mean, we are a world that's 
we've really moved from print media to digital media. And in doing so, we're not reading long texts anymore. We're reading blurbs. We're reading bullet points. We're scanning. I mean, all these studies in, in literary terms and in, and in reading science, we're reading shorter. We're, our attention spans are shorter. So really just to create a 31-day devotional. So it's very bite-sized, manageable, each daily devotion, not long. And then just something very practical that's simple that we can do each day. It's not going to take a lot of time. It's not going to cost any money. Just some very practical steps, one each day that we can do. So that was really kind of the idea behind the structure of the book. Yeah, the structure you have at, at least a part of each of the devotionals, a way to cultivate sanctuary. I think that's a really important point, that this is not something that we can just sit around and wait to happen, right? This is something that is got to be intentional in some way. Very intentional. And it's not something we're going to achieve at some point, like follow XYZ, and then you're there, you've mm-hmm. achieved it. It's really more of a lifestyle of of living in this direction of having a quiet heart. And and I kind of go back to this. It's really about the overflow of your heart. And obviously Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I was looking at where am I investing? Where's my treasure? Where am I investing my time? Where am I investing my money? And really more and more, I was investing myself in relationships with people in other time zones, because it's so easy on Voxer and text messaging. And I'm really connected so far and wide with people all over and it's fun and it's exciting. But I really felt like I had that kind of flip-flopped and inverted. And I really needed to get back to, okay, God is the center of our lives, and then family, and then friends, and then those we go to church with, those we work with, those we serve with, those we live in our neighborhood with, our community. And so if you think literally, physically, geographically, kind of like um, ripples of water emanating outwardly, We start with God in the center, and from there it overflows into the other areas of our lives. And so we invest first and foremost into that relationship with God and then those relationships with our immediate family and then outward. And then when we go online and we post something on social media, those who we are interacting with in those outer spheres, they can know that the words and the pictures and the ideas that we're sharing out there on the internet, on social media, that's coming from the overflow of a very richly connected, deeply relational life. And I think then what we're then when we are present on social media or any kind of online context, it's healthier because it's coming from a very local, tangible connection and deep relationships. For any of our listeners or even those who will pick up your your book and read it and do this devotional for themselves, they're saying uh, that sounds all well and good except for the fact that my world is falling apart. There is no sanctuary because everything is constantly being held up by uh, gum and uh, paper clips. So um, if I have to be constantly spinning plates all the time, how can I find the sanctuary when my world is utterly chaos? That's such a good question. Because we do go through those seasons where life is chaos and maybe even there's trauma and suffering. And I think one of the most important ways to really have a quiet heart in 
in a world where our own personal world might be falling apart and we're holding it together with a paper clip and a rubber band. In that kind of season, having an eternal perspective is what is so important, knowing that right here, right now, this isn't all there is. There is an eternal life waiting for us, and that's where we put our hope. We don't put our hope in the here and now. We put our hope in Christ and being with Him for all eternity, and that gets us through the here and now, knowing that this isn't all that there is, and knowing that pain has an expiration date, that's where our hope comes from. And it's because of what Christ did on the cross that we can have that hope and we can have that eternal perspective. So anybody who's going through that right now, I would just want to encourage them. Yeah, having a quiet heart isn't about checking off a list of things to do. It's about knowing that everything you're going through right now, it's temporary and there's a better life waiting for it. There's also a component here where there's listeners who are saying, I have my life put together. God has blessed me. I'm grateful. I'm happy. Uh, but this is a communal project, isn't it? It's it's not just an individual thing. There are plenty of people in our lives that we can actually be helping in this process. You actually provide some of those practical tips on what you can do uh, for others in your life. Uh, what encouragement do you have for our listeners on how to create a place of sanctuary in community? Really, it starts with your personal relationship with God and then your relationships with those closest around you. We, and really trying to create our homes to be a place of sanctuary for our spouse and for our children. If we have kids, our homes can be a place of sanctuary. And even if we're single, to be able to open our doors and to invite people in. One of my prayers has always been, Lord, when when I have guests coming into my home, would they just sense a spirit of peace, your spirit of peace? Would they just be filled with you and your presence and let this be a place where people can relax and take off their shoes and just breathe out and exhale? And I think making our homes a sanctuary for our families and those who come and visit that is, I think, just one of the biggest ways we can be a blessing to others. And then there are going to be times we need to go home to our own sanctuary as just kind of a way to recover from the day and the daily grind and that kind of thing, too. Mm. You know, as a pastor, this is something I want to hear about all the time. I want to know that my congregation is having people in the community over to their homes, around the dinner table. It's a reminder that we are a city that's set on a hill. We need to be a place of refuge and strength because there are plenty of people out there that that lack any structure in their lives. And we ought to be the people of hope. As the world's falling, around, uh, falling apart around us, uh, we ought to be the people of hope so that people ask us, how do you have such confidence in, in a time like this? Um, that's an opportunity for us to be witnesses as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. As we are carrying the light of Christ in us, People will notice a difference and it's not like we're going to be, you know, perfect at this all the time or anything. But when people can see you walking through whatever circumstance you're in the midst of and you're carrying with you just this steady, resolute, solid surety people, that's going to look different. When you're not falling apart and and just stressed out all the time, and I know we have our moments and that's okay, but ultimately 
over the long haul, when people see a quiet steadiness and a quiet settledness inside of you, they're going to want to know, where does that come from? I love how this book is steeped in scripture, and I like how each of the devotionals ends in a word of prayer. Uh, That's something we try to emphasize here on our broadcast all of the time, how important prayer is to all of these aspects of our life. Uh, Could I ask you then to pray for our listeners and to encourage them in this idea that, that we can find sanctuary in Christ? Absolutely, yes. Thank you, God, so much for just each person who is hearing this recording and and this podcast and this interview. God, I just pray you know their circumstances. You know where they're at. I pray you will meet them right where they're at and that they will sense your presence. And if you are, and I pray that you would draw them to you and that as they connect and spend more time with you, especially through your word, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them through your word, because the more we know you, the more settled our hearts are, because we don't find peace anywhere in the world except in you, God. So my prayer, Lord, is that you would continue to woo each and every listener to you and that you would reveal yourself to them through your word more and more each day. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been talking with Denise Hughes, who's the author of Sanctuary, Cultivating a Quiet Heart in a Noisy and Demanding World. It is a 31-day devotional, and I would say a great resource to address an issue that captures the hearts and minds of, of, of not just the people in the church who need to find this sanctuary, but the world in which we're living, uh, to provide that as a city on a hill. Uh, Denise, I think that you have captured a, a, a heartbeat of our, of our times that our people are struggling with. Thank you for being so willing to share yourself in this book, but also your time with us as a part of the many voices for that one message. Thank you so much. It was really a pleasure to be with you, to be with you here today.